Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you, first and foremost, to all of you for being here with us today. You're part of our family, our big online family, as it were. And we're so glad that you are here today, whether it's your first time with us or you are a longtime veteran of our church. We're just glad that you're here. We're in this series called It's Complicated, But It Doesn't Have to Be. And uh, we've been exploring uh, the topic of relationships. And so we've, we've been looking at our sexuality and our purity as it relates to uh, God's best for our life. We've been looking at our singleness and God's plan for us in singleness. Last week, we did a one-point message on marriage called Becoming One, uh, which was probably one of the fa- my favorite messages I've ever done on the subject of marriage in general. And uh, next week, we're actually going to wrap up the series talking about how to heal toxic relationships with one of my favorite pastors and communicators, Gary Fowler, will be here. He's a dear friend of mine, and I'm very thankful he's going to be here. You don't want to miss that talk. But today, today we're going to talk about the subject of money. Now, you wouldn't think that the subject of money belongs in a relationship series, but I will tell you that all the statistics and studies tell us that money issues are one of the top three reasons for divorce, which also include incompatibility and infidelity. Uh, For me, many of you know that I was married once and my first marriage, uh, money was a massive issue in our marriage and it was almost an issue in my second marriage, my current marriage to to Shanda. And and I know where a lot of you come uh, come from when, when a pastor starts talking about money. You have pushback. There's some resistance. And I'm just begging you today to not have the walls up as we talk about money, because I know, I know where those walls come from. They come from hurt over, over a pastor that maybe took advantage of you or maybe had some poor motives in talking about money and, and, and or, 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 or maybe you have been taught and come to believe that, you know, preachers are just all about money and, and they just want your stuff. And, or maybe you're just here. This is your very first Sunday ever in a church and you just want to know who Jesus is. And here we are. We're talking about this subject. But, but listen, I need to, I need to promise you something today that, that as your pastor, I don't want anything from you. In fact, I only teach on the subject of money because I want something for you. And so whatever you come to the table of, of this conversation with, whether that's whatever, whatever kind of baggage that looks like, whether it's past pains or whether it's, a, it's an inclination or posturing on it, I'm just asking you today to set those things aside and just listen. And here's the thing. If you listen and you don't like what I have to say and you don't like what I have to share from the from the, the scripture then then and it doesn't speak to your heart, then just come back next week and listen to the message on 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 healing toxic toxic relationships. But but I believe that what I'm going to share today can bring some of the greatest peace in your life. So let's jump into it. We're going to go to a verse found in Haggai uh, chapter 1 and uh, verse 5 through 7 says this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, which is what we've been doing in this series. We've been asking ourselves, okay, where are the lies in our lives? Have we positioned God in his rightful place? We're considering our ways that we're going about things and making sure that they are aligned with the creator of the universe's ways for us. Because after all, if he created us, his ways and his plans for us ought to make sense for us, that we should follow them. We should live according to them. And so in this series, we've just been asking each other to consider your ways, give careful thought to them. 
Haggai goes on and says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. In other words, you're doing lots of work in your life and specifically in the area of your finances. You're working really hard, but you're harvesting little. A lot of activity. By the way, activity does not, does not mean that you are being successful at what you're doing, right? And so he says, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So if, if any of the ways that you are handling money, if any way that you are approaching money or allowing money to lead you and whatever that looks like, your financial picture, yes, but also in the ways that you manage money or let it manage you, if any of these ways are leading you to a place where you feel like, man, I got a bag with holes in it. I keep doing all this work, but I, I'm not getting what I'm after in my pursuit and financial uh, aspect of my life. You might need to rethink some things. I'm asking you to carefully consider your way because today I'm gonna share principles that I not only believe, but I live out. And I believe that those that do it will experience the same kind of blessing that I have. They'll experience the uncomplication of their lives in the area of finances. Now I'm, I'm not a money expert per se, I enjoy helping people with their personal finances. In fact, at one point in time in my life, I was a, a banker and I carried uh, uh, licenses to help people to, to do investments and to help them plan out their lives. And when I was younger, I wanted to be an accountant. So there is this drive in me, like I care about personal finance. But today what I'm gonna do is, is not just give you some personal tips on how to handle your money better. What I'm gonna do is give you a view, overview of your finances from a biblical perspective. And there's lots that I could share with you, but I, I wanna just share this one main thought with you today. And, and, and I, I need you to also know about my life is that, that I'm not perfect. <laughs> I've been broke. I've walked through bankruptcy. I've walked through a broken man marriage that struggled with financial issues. In fact, my, my, my finances were so bad that, that both of our parents on both sides were, were giving us money every month just to keep us afloat. I had people, bill collectors calling me. I have my car repossessed. Like we struggled financially. And here's the thing, I don't want that for you because what I found is that God's ways are better. And these ways that I'm gonna share with you today, this, this main principle works for me in my household and it works for many others as well. Truth to be told, as a pastor, when I stepped into this role, I just have to share with you that I used to be scared to talk about money, specifically this principle today. And, and there's lots of reasons for that. You know, there's, there's this thing out there called the prosperity gospel movement that has destroyed so many people's lives. And personally, my life was touched by it as well. I came to believe a lot of things that were incorrect theologically about money, things that led me to believe things like I could purchase a miracle or I could sow a seed and get God to do something that wasn't attached to him asking me to do it. Like, like, like God was a vending machine, right? And so, so, so this, this approach to money through this prosperity gospel movement has hurt a lot of people and me too. And so I was scared to talk about it. There's also this public perception of pastors that, that there are pastors that are on TV or bigger church pastors that, that get lots of press and they, they flaunt their lives and they live a lavish lifestyle. And people come to believe that, that really they're just fleecing the flock and they're taking money from them. And, and I don't have any commentary on anybody's 
particular lifestyle and the way they choose to spend their money and the kind of clothes they want to wear and the size of the houses that they want to live in or the cars that they drive. That's not mine to judge for you. It's mine to judge for me. But, but I know there's this public perception about pastors. And I also know there's also oppositional teaching out there. There's, there's literally people that are teaching the opposite direction of what I'm going to share with you today. And I promise you that you need to pay close attention because there is a twisting of scripture that has led people to more bondage than, than anything the world has to offer. And I'm, I promise you, every time I teach this principle, I have conversations afterwards with people telling me that I'm teaching things wrong. And so what I've learned and I've experienced and I've experienced in my life trumps these issues. In fact, the Lord told me that, that if I was going to grow our people, we needed to grow in this area years ago. And that's when I began getting comfortable talking about it because I realized, God, you blessed me and I shouldn't be afraid to talk about this with our people. I shouldn't be afraid of the baggage that they bring to the table because I brought baggage to the table too. But that I, what was required of me was a step of faith, not only as a pastor, but as an individual to honor these principles, put this principle in my life and, and to share it with you and to teach it properly to you, teach the proper heart behind it as well. Because I believe God has something for you that is a blessing that will uncomplicate your life and will uncomplicate your marriages. So let's get to it. You know, one of the, the bigger reasons why I've also found confidence talking about scripture was something I learned from one of my mentors and is that, that um, God not only has a plan for it, uh, but, but that, that he talks about it a lot in his word. In fact, Jesus talked about money twice as much as heaven and hell. He talked about uh, money in 16 of the 38 parables that he shared. It had to do with money and possessions. That's nearly half of them. There are over 500 verses about prayer and faith in the Bible, but there are over 2,000 verses about money and possessions. Why? Why are there so many verses? Why is this such a heavy topic, not only for Jesus, but for the entirety of the Bible? And the reason is, is that the subject of finances is related to you way more in a spiritual way than it is in a uh, natural way. And it's, in fact, it's why Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 21. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, listen, your heart is the number one thing that God is after. He's not after your finances, but he knows that your heart is connected to your finances, that wherever your finances go, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. In fact, I would tell you there's nothing more that your spouse wants or that your kids want. They want your heart. But this principle exists, this spiritual principle exists that the direction your money goes in determines where your heart is. It's almost like this nerve that, that goes from your wallet or your purse to your heart. And it's important because of that to get this right. Because if you get this wrong, then it messes with your heart. And when your heart gets all messed up and confused, it messes with your life. In fact, you pull right in to complication station. Reverend Billy Graham said this, if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. So why is money so complicated? The answer is, again, because it's spiritual. We have to look at it from a spiritual way, in a spiritual way and less in a natural way. 
And if you do, what will happen is you'll find that you'll uncomplicate your life. Look at what Luke has to say in Luke chapter 16. He says this, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, right? So you can't have two bosses. If you have two bosses, one boss is going to trump the other. You're going to love one and hate the other or vice versa, right? There's going to be one that you're going to give your heart to. He said, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus makes it real plain what he's talking about here. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, this word mammon is a word that, uh, that we actually don't have an English translation for. In fact, all the translators that have translated the Bible, they translate this word, uh, they use what's called a transliteration. They, they just take the word right in the text as it is, and they put it into the English right there as it is. So this word mammon is this word that, that was used to describe this. And really, it comes from the Greek word of mammonis, who was the Syrian god of riches. And this Syrian god of riches has his origins in Babylon. And Babylon means sown in confusion. So we got the Syrian God of riches that is sown in confusion. And riches sown in confusion is what leads to the complication in our life. And this spirit is influencing us on a regular basis. There's so many, so much confusion around finances. There's so many lies that we have to deal with. Jesus knew that. That's why he said, you can't serve God. In other words, It doesn't mean you can't come to church and you can't be on a team. What it means is that you cannot give the entirety of your life to him. You cannot say, yes, your Lord, and then have God say, okay, listen, I want to take this part of your life or this part of your finances or take you in this direction. He can't be Lord where you live in obedience to him, serving him with all of you are in the same way he served us with all that he is. You cannot have that kind of relationship with God and live with financial confusion that is sown by a spirit that, of, of riches. You, you just can't do it. It's not possible because if you're serving and going about your finances the way the world does it, then you're going to pursue that. And when that conflicts with what God tells you to do in your life, this one's going to win out. The way the world does it, the financial confusion is going to win out. One or the other will be in control of your life. It'll determine what you say yes to and what you say no to. It'll determine what you will or won't do. And it's all tied to who or what's in control. Is it God or is the spirit of riches sown in confusion? Think about that. You can't serve God and be servant to money due to financial confusion. You know, there's this interesting book written. It's called uh, The Day America Told the Truth. It came out in the 90s, but I think it's still uh, relevant today. And it was a survey that was done uh, with, uh, among 2,000 people across the United States. And they asked these 2,000 people 1,800 questions. So it's like this exhaustive survey, right? And what they found, the results of this survey were sad, but they were honest responses. And I want you to look at these responses and see how they were influenced by the spirit of mammon. That's riches sown in confusion. And one of the questions they asked was, what would you be willing to do for for $10 million? In fact, if you're uh, in in the uh, online campus right now or watching on Facebook, I would love for you to share, what would you be willing to do for $10 million, right? Probably something harmless, something innocuous, something that wouldn't make a difference, but they didn't ask them those kind of questions. So share away, would love to know and would love to, to engage with you on those. But, but here's some of the things people said. Here's 25% of people said that they would, for $10 million, they would abandon their entire family. That is like, see you later, deuces, I'm out, $10 million, thank you. Talk about confusion. Confusion over the value and the worth 
of a family for money. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week or more. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 10% said they would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. 7% said they would kill a stranger. Like, can you imagine? Just somebody you don't even know, and you're willing to kill them in exchange for money. And 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. Now, some of you listening today are like, $10 million, I would do that for free. In fact, I would pay you to take my kids, right? Then uh, don't, don't do that. That's not a good idea. But, 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 but how would you answer these questions? And it's disturbing how the spirit behind money has lied to all of us and has misled us into paths of confusion and complication. So we need to make sure that as we've been doing every week, that we expose the lies that are influencing us. Because here's what I know, that if you are living according to the lie, you are living with a lack of peace. You are living with a lack of God's blessing, specifically on the area of your finances. And I, as your pastor, I want you to have peace. And I want you to have God's blessing. I want you to have God's spirit on your finances, not a spirit of confusion. And I know that God desires the same for you. So here's just a few of the lies that we need to confront in our life. The first one is that having more money will make me more secure. Boo, this is simply not true. If it were true, why are wealthy people just as anxious about today and tomorrow as you are? Why is it that they have so much money, big houses, fancy cars, they eat anywhere they want to, wear any kind of clothes that they want to, pretty much get to do anything that they want to, and yet they do not have security that money allegedly promises them. Having more money does not make you more secure. It doesn't equal security. In fact, Proverbs 18, 11 says this, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Notice that it says it's their fortified city. It's that this is in their minds. They believe that their money hems them in and keeps them safe. It says that they imagine it a wall too high to scale. In other words, they believe that the money they have, nothing can touch them. This is why they behave in a certain way, but they still don't have security. That's why they continue to clamber for more and more and more. And if this is you, if you really believe that money is what is going to protect you, you will spend all of your life and sacrifice so much that is way more valuable than a dollar so that it can save you, so that it can bring you security. But money can't protect you. In fact, the Bible tells us that the, the opposite behavior is necessary. It says in Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, it says, keep your lives free from the love of money. That means like not a hint, not a little bit of it, none, zero, nada, zilch. Don't have any love of money. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evils. So he says, don't be, be free from the love of money. In other words, make sure your love and your priority is God, not in your finances. Just like Jesus said, he said, be free of the love of money and be content with what you have. My goodness, I need to do a message on being content because I feel like so many of us are, are striving so hard to keep up with the Joneses, to get the next best thing, to try to impress people that, that honestly don't really even care that much about what you have. And it doesn't matter anyway. And we continue to push ourselves so hard. We push ourselves further and further into debt. We need to learn contentedness, not just in the area of our finances, but in every area 
of our lives. Powerful message. I, 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 I'm going to preach it here soon. But we need to be content with what we have. And it goes on to say, because, so there's a reason why we need to be free from the love of money and be content with what we have because God has said, watch this, because if you're looking for security in, in having money, you'll love it. If you're looking for security in stuff, then you won't be content with what you have because you have to have more to protect you. But God says the antithesis of it, of this, or the opposite of it, or the reason that you don't need to do that is because God said, never will I leave you. <laughs> never will I forsake you. So when you believe that, here's what you'll say. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Hmm. That's powerful. And that'll preach. We have to be in a place where we combat the lie that money makes us more secure. Because only when we're in a relationship with God are you secure. Amen, everybody? Second lie is this. The things I own define who I am. We say to ourselves, if I have more stuff or if I have more money, then people will love me more. You see this with kids all the times when, when parents get something new or when my kids were younger, you know, it was just like, hey, come look at the big TV we got. Hey, look at this right here. It was just, there was this feeling of specialness based on the stuff that you have. And how many times are we that as adults as well? When we get the new thing, we want to show it to somebody, right? And we want them to fawn all over us because we got the new thing. We got the best of this thing. We got something that is nice or, or maybe whatever your reason. We believe if we have more, people will love me more, that I'll be happier, that I'll grow in my influence. And the truth, none of these are true. None of these are true. Luke 12 says this in verse 15. Then he said, this is Jesus, beware, right? So anytime something starts off with beware, pay attention. Beware, guard against every kind of greed because that greed is gonna try to plant seeds in your heart and try to produce a fruit. Be, uh, be, beware and guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. In other words, money can't make you happy. It simply cannot make you happy. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 5.10. He said, those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. You know, the wealthy are not the happiness. Just ask them. Find somebody that you know that has lots of money, that has poured out their lives, sacrificing time with their family, sacrificing time in their community, time at their church, time with, with loved ones and investing in their hobbies. Find somebody who has poured out their life in pursuit of money. You know who that person is. Ask them. You'll find that they're just as unhappy as those people without money because money doesn't bring happiness. You want to know what brings real happiness? Romans 4 verse 7 through 8 says this, Happy are those whose sins are forgiven. Come on, somebody. Whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty. That's happiness, man. And it's found in relationship with God. It's not found in money. It's not found in having more stuff. All right, here's the third lie. My stuff belongs to me. Now, let me tell you that this seems like a rational statement. That my stuff belongs to me. The word my implies possession. So the stuff belongs to me. It's mine. It's mine. And we want to claim that, right? But the fact of the matter is that here on this earth, we are not owners. We are stewards. Steward is this old English word that essentially means 
manager. If you've ever seen the movie Lord of the Rings, there was a steward over the, the kingdom of Gondor. And he, if you remember in the movie, he had a lower seat that sat down. He was to steward the kingdom in the king's absence. There was a higher seat that the king sat upon and the king had ultimate authority, but the steward was to operate the kingdom the way that the king would, so that when the king returned, the king would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the the approach. That's the way we are with everything that God gives us. That's why we must handle everything that God gives us with an open hand. We've got to handle things differently because the things that God has given us, he has not given them to us to own. He's given them to us to steward, to care for in the way that he would care for things. God's made us managers, stewards, not owners of anything. And when we think about it this way, everything changes because owners do what they want to with things. Stewards do as the owners want. And that includes our finances, all of our finances, everything we have is his. Our kids are his, our spouse is his, our relationships are his, our house is his, everything. Everything we have is his. In fact, everything on this world is his. Let me prove it to you. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 12 says, praise be to you, O Lord. God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. That means from the very beginning all the way to the end. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is, is it mine? No, no, it says it's yours. It's his. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come for you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. (laughs) That mindset that would exist within us, that all things belong to him, changes everything. Hear me. I love you. And I want this confusion out of your life. You need to learn to approach your finances and everything in your life with this belief that you are a steward and not an owner. Because security, security is found in God alone. Happiness is found in what Jesus has done for us. And we are stewards and need to figure out how to steward according to God's standards. What would he do according to God's purposes? So so let me just wrap up with with one principle I'm going to give you. And I I told you I was only going to give you one today. So so there's the lies. but, But here's the principle I think is the greatest one that I can share with you today on uncomplicating your money. Because there's, there's many godly financial principles, but the greatest one is one that, that I incorporated into my life as a, at an early age as a child. My parents taught me, hey, whenever you get money, that 10% goes to God, 10% goes to a savings account, and then you budget and live off the 80%. This is something I've done for the majority of my life, and I've seen the fruit of it in my life and God's blessing in my life. Tithing is one of the principles that, that is so important. Tithing simply means give to God first. Leviticus 27, 30 tells us this, a tenth of all you produce is the Lord's and it is holy. Now, holy, that word holy doesn't mean like, oh, like, you know, angel and, and a halo kind of thing. Although it certainly references that, that's not what it means. Holy means set apart for God's purposes. He's saying that the tithe, 10% of all that we earn God has a purpose and a plan for it. He says it's holy. He intends to use it to make a difference here in this world. And if we get this right, everything changes. 
because there's a curse that is on our lives and I can prove it to you. It's not one that God's cursed us with. It's a curse that we're in living in a cursed world. There's a curse that's on our life that tithing actually breaks. It breaks that financial curse because it aligns you with God's plans and his purposes in your finances. Let me show it to you. This is in Malachi chapter three, uh, verses six through 12. And it says this to start off with, it says, I, the Lord, do not change, which is really important because this principle hasn't changed. It was there since the very beginning of time in the very first, uh, very first part of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And it's there throughout all of the biblical text. It is there. God hasn't changed his mind about this thing in particular. And you just need to know that. He said, ever since the time of your ancestors, you turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, which is the, the, the idea behind this whole series that we've exchanged the truth for a lie. We've bought into something that wasn't true. And as a result, have corrupted our minds. We've made God more like us than us like God. And that's the opposite direction to go. He says, you turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Then he calls us to repent. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. He says, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? He says, yet you rob me. <clears throat> they say, how are we robbing you? And his response is in tithes and offerings. So not only, not only in giving first and giving of a tenth of all we earn, but giving above and beyond the tithe. He says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which I love the word picture here that God uses because the modern day church is to be used as a storehouse. A storehouse is where stuff got stored for when bad stuff happened. I believe that the church should be a church that has money stored up so that we can respond actively and immediately when tragedy strikes in our community and in our world. So that when when an ice storm hits a part of our nation, that we have enough stored up that we can send an immediate response. Not send out a call and ask to raise funds and then have a response, but to have money stored up so that we can serve in lots of different ways. I believe that God has intended the church to be a storehouse. He says, so that there may be food in my house. And then he goes on to say, test me in this. And the reason God says that tithing would be a test is because it's going to require faith. It's because it's going to require that you keep your eyes on him and not keep your eyes on your bottom line or not keep your eyes on the events of the future that you can't know and you can't predict anyway. And not keep your eyes on that fear. Not keep your eyes on, on past experiences or, or, or on anything else other than him. He says, test me, says the Lord Almighty. And he says, and see, Test and see. In other words, you're not going to know unless you try. You're never going to know whether God's going to bless you or not until you do it. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, which by the way, doesn't just mean financial blessing. Okay. So, so we don't give in order to get, there are lots of ways God can bless us. And he does, and he has blessed me throughout my entire life. In fact, sometimes people ask me when I have this crazy favor or these crazy opportunities or the kind of blessings I have in my life, my response with a smile on my face is I, I can't understand that, but I do know I'm a tither. I'm just telling you it's in the scripture. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying God promises us blessings. Then watch what he goes on to say. He says <clears throat> that there will not be room enough to store it. So he's going to bless you abundantly. And then he goes on to say, I will prevent pests. Now, I really like this one. 
This means that, that, that the stuff that would come along to destroy your stuff, the pestilence, the bugs, or, or the, the, it goes on to say, even, even the vines in your fields will not drop the fruit before it's ripe. In other words, it's not going to fall off the tree so that it spoils on the ground. It's going to stay put until you're ready for it. That God's going to bless you in a way that, that your stuff doesn't wear out as quick. That stuff lasts longer than it's supposed to last. I, I, I'm telling you, I had one time, I had a car. It was a family car and I had purchased it and it drove beautiful for me. I'm telling you, within a couple of days of me selling the car, the car died. And they came back to me and said, did you know that this car had an issue? I was like, no, I didn't know that the car had any kind of issues. But, but, but here it was. I said, well, I don't know what to say. I'm a tither. Maybe God was blessing me. I don't know about the next person, whether they're a tither or not. But, but I'm just telling you, God has these promises for us. He said, don't, no, don't get all weird on me, okay? I'm just telling you what I, what, what I believe and what I've experienced in my life and what the scripture says. But it says, then all the nations will call you blessed. In other words, all the people in your cul-de-sac will call you blessed. There's people around you that wonder, what is it you're doing? What is going right in your life? They're considering their ways versus your ways. What is it you're doing that you are so blessed? Tell us more about that. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Man, these are some powerful promises that God is giving us. And so based on those promises and based on what he says there in those verses, I want to close with three things that always get said to me after a message on tithing. And, and, and the truth is, is, is you, that you need to know about me is I don't personally, I don't care if you do this or not. And let me be very clear. What I'm saying is, is I don't want to think any less of you as a person. And I'm not going to judge you. There's nothing that would exclude you from my social circles or from me caring about you and loving you. I don't care if you do this, but I care a lot whether or not you do this, because I believe that if you do this, there's a ton of blessing that comes along with you doing this. So I, I, I don't personally care, but I do care and I care a lot. And, 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 and you need to know that I, I still get pushback. The first one that I get so common is uh, people say, wasn't well, tithing an Old Testament law? Um, the answer to that is yes. And you don't have to do it. Um, this is not a heaven or hell issue. Tithing was included in the Old Testament law, but we're not in a place where we're serving God that we have to do things. Um, the proper positioning in our hearts should be that we get to do things, that we, we get to give, we get to do this, be part of God's plan and purposes for us, and that includes our finances. Truth be told, this whole idea of throwing out tithing because it was included in the law, you know, murder was also included in the law, just saying, and uh, I wouldn't tell you that because... Christ fulfilled the law, uh, that that's now permitted. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, we get to just, you know, go pew, 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 just kill anybody we want to. Right. So, so, but, but here's why the principle of tithing matters. And it's because of the first four words that we find in the Bible. And it's Genesis 1, 1. And it says, in the beginning, God, but period, that, that in the beginning of everything is God. That, that's his proper place. That's where he belongs. That's the priority that we should give him. That's why the first of our year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting together. We make God first. That's why the beginning of our week, we gather together on Sunday and we worship. That's why the beginning of my day begins with God because there's this God first priority that in the beginning, God, and if you live this way in every area of your life, he'll uncomplicate your life. In fact, Exodus 20 verse one through three says this, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, here's what I need you to know. God's okay with you having money, 
but he needs to be first on that priority list. You can't love money more than you love him. You can't love your spouse. You can't love your kids. You can't love anything more than you love him. It just can't be before him. He must be first. And that's why the principle of tithing is this tithing communicates that God is first. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. Second pushback I get is that, well, I can't afford to tithe. And you're right. You're never gonna be able to afford to tithe until you do it. That's why God says to test me. And you're gonna be afraid to do it because you can't know the future, but tithing is a test of our faith. I wanna encourage you to stop living such a predictable life of Christianity and learn to step out onto the waters, just like Peter did when Jesus said, come out, get out of the boat, swing your leg out, step out in faith. It, it is not gonna be like anything that you've known, but we need to start living lives of faith instead of living comfortable lives of certainty that come along with a lack of faith sometimes. The last pushback I get is the church doesn't need my money. And you're right. I'm going to tell you this, that I've been a pastor here at this church nearly eight years. And God called me to this work. And God has providing, has been providing since the very first day. And he's going to continue to do that. And he's going to continue to do that with or without you. And I know that might hurt your feelings to say that. And it doesn't feel really good to say it. But let me be clear. We can do more with you as a church. We, we've got a building that we're looking for. We want to add a dream center to what we're doing. We want to enlarge our community impact and bring more people to know God than we've ever done in all of our eight years. But we need you to do that. We need you to be part of that, to help us create the storehouse so that we can respond to the needs of the community, so that we can be somebody that is served and loves in the way Jesus did. Tithing ultimately allows the church to do the work of the Lord. And so if you want to be a part of what God is doing here, then put God's purpose first in your finances. Watch him bless you and watch him uncomplicate this area in your life, specifically in your relationships and in your marriages. With that, let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would help us. God, I pray that you would bring us to the truth of your word, that you would confront our hearts, that you would confront our hurts, that you would confront uh, our, our postures, the, th the things that we've heard from other people, the things that we've come to believe incorrectly. God, that you would confront the lies that we've believed about our finances, Lord, the confusion that has been sown into us. And I pray, God, that you would even confront the pride that exists in our hearts. And God, that you would help us to trust you, to make you first, no matter what. And God, I pray that when we do, I know that your response is to bless us. I know that we'll be blessed, but not for just the sake of being blessed in and of itself, but so that we can be a blessing to other people. And so that in that blessing, Lord, in that shining, Father, that others would take note and others would turn their hearts and their minds to you. Now, here's the one thing I ask you in this moment. Take 15 seconds and, and ask the Holy Spirit this one question. What do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? And as he speaks to your heart, that's what you do. So take 15 seconds right now. Friends, don't live 
the safe life of Christianity. It's time to begin living a life of faith where we pursue Jesus with all that is within us. In fact, there's some of you that are here today that you're ready to have a relationship with God, but your heart's been in the wrong place. That God has been somewhere on that list in your life. Like, you know, God's good and he's a great idea, but he's like 13th or maybe he's 40th on the list. But, but God doesn't play 13th or 40th on the list of, of anybody's heart. God must be first. And what Christianity is, it's a reordering of your life so that God is your first love, so that God is your priority. And today you can make that choice. And so if that's, if you're ready to do that, to make him the priority today, if you're in our online campus, click the button right now that's in front of you that says, I'm, I'm ready to make Jesus Lord of my life. I, I'm raising my hand. If you're in our, on, uh, or in our Facebook campus or watching on YouTube, man, when we're done, I'm encouraging you, all of you really, to click the connect, uh, the connect, the, the digital connection card link that says, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. Let us know so we can celebrate you. But before we get to there, let, let's pray together and know that it's not the words that I'm giving you that matter, it's the heart. It's all about your heart. Choose to make God first today. Say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to be first in my life. Forgiving, forgive me for allowing other things to be priority. Cleanse me of my sins. Make me brand new. Put your spirit inside of me. Show me how to live for you and empower me to tell others about you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And the Bible says that if you prayed that prayer today, that heaven's having a party, we're celebrating with you as well. Like I said, click on that digital connection card uh, link that it's in the description of the videos or is here in the online campus. Make sure you let us know so that we can celebrate with you. We wanna make sure we resource you with a Bible. We wanna make sure we help you understand your next steps. We wanna make sure that you get connected to this community of believers because guess what? You belong here with us. So I say to you, welcome home, everybody. We're so glad to have you with us again. So as we wrap up today, I wanna to give opportunity for those of you that are already being obedient in your tithes and offerings, and maybe some of you that would choose to do that today. Maybe what you need to do is screenshot this information that is appearing on the screen so that you can choose how you're going to, to actually walk this out. You, you can write a check and mail it in. You can use the digital uh, giving options, which includes text to give, our app. You can even just go to our website, but in whatever way you do it, I'm asking you, just to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And so those options are here for you to do. We're thankful for those of you that have continued in your generosity and we're praying God's blessings over you all the time as a result of it. Now, listen, next week is gonna be the wrap up of this series and uh, you're not gonna wanna miss it. We're gonna talk about how to heal toxic relationships. It'll be with Pastor Gary Fowler from C3 Church. You are not gonna wanna miss it. Make sure you're right back here. I love you all. God bless you all. Have an incredible week.